Oh yeah, it's about to get good over the next hour or so. Uh, this is between two femmes, um, Mabale Moloy. Aspasia is not joining me this afternoon. She's away in, I don't, I don't know, New York or Milan or somewhere because she's that kind of person. She's a jet setter. She travels all over the place. But, um, this afternoon I've got Casey Blake joining me in studio from What Now Counseling. Hi, thank you. Um, I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about some of the difficult questions that people might want to ask of their partners while in a relationship, but they're afraid to do so because, you know, some of these questions are a little bit difficult to get out there. And, um, Casey, I mean, first things first, in a relationship, communication is key. Absolutely. Absolutely. Other, you know, talking to each other is so important, and yeah. the way in which we talk to each other is what makes the relationship work. So, uh, do you think that we need to spend more time in in thinking about how we talk to our partners, and then maybe just think about how we're saying could possibly make them feel? Because sometimes you get emotional, and these things just spill out of you, and then you regret it at a later stage. Well, instead of thinking about how you're going to make them feel, think about how they make you feel, and if you want them to feel that way or not, because. It's so much easier to think about ourselves. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. We're very self-centered creatures. So think about how you feel when your partner talks to you in certain ways. And if you want that feeling to remain, if you want it to change, and if you want them to feel the same way you are, or if you never want them to feel this way because it's horrible. Okay. Now, Casey, you've, you've almost become like the resident uh, go-to counselor here at, at Cliff Central. You've been on with uh, Keeping Up with the Calvaries. You spent a morning with us on the breakfast show with Gareth. Um, so, you know, but for those people who are not familiar with you, just a bit of background in terms of what you do with What Now Counseling. Cool. So I'm a registered counselor, which means I do counseling of a variety of issues, but my favorite specialities is sexuality and relationships, parenting and trauma. Okay. So anything that falls under that stuff. And I also do lots of general counseling. So anger management, stress management. You just want to, your life is running away from you and you want to figure out how to be in control again. I do lots of work around that. And I think, you know, in the area of sexuality especially, that's that's where some of the, the tough questions arise and where it gets particularly difficult for us to ask them. Um, but, you know, if you'd like to ask questions of Casey, you can uh, message us straight to WeChat on the Cliff Central account um, or you can treat, tweet us at cliffcentral.com. So, for example, Casey, I know that there are uh, one or two people who would like to, you know, be bold and daring and ask their partner if they can have somebody else join them in bed. Yes, Three, the, the threesome fantasy is the, very popular. The, <laughs> how popular exactly is it from your experience with working with couples in counseling? In terms of fantasy, it's extremely popular. Okay. Um, I think there's an idea that you want to be wanted by more than one person. There's, you know, you want to do things to more than one person. You want to play tag team, whatever the... The fantasy is, fantasy itself is extremely popular. The act, however, yes, is not as popular and there needs to be a lot of groundwork in order for the act to be successful for the couples if you're going in as a couple plus a third. Now, in terms of the fantasy, are we still seeing more men who want this fantasy than women? No. No? It's, it's fairly even. Okay. Um, in terms of what I see in my practice, which I must say is not a representative sample um, of the country because yes. I, you know, I just see whoever comes to me. Right. Um. But I, what I see, it's very even, both men and women, and also both kinds of threesomes. So the typical fantasy that we see on in porn is two women and a man. Yes. But there's also a lot of people who are interested in having two men and a woman. This is true. So now I'm in a relationship with somebody, and I want to say to them, hey, babe, you know, how about we get another guy to join us? How do you, how do you 
begin that conversation with your partner. You have no idea how your partner is going to react. You're nervous because this could potentially upset the situation and maybe even result in, in a breakup. Absolutely. You've got to do some groundwork for yourself. You have to think, like, can you define why do you want to have the threesome? What are you hoping to get out of it? Which part of your fantasy ignites this, you know? Okay. And then communicate that to your partner. It needs to be clear that you're not looking for someone to replace them with because that's what the, be the first feeling, you know? Yes. Most people, when you say, can I bring someone in? Their first response is, why aren't I good enough? Yeah. Are you bored with me? Exactly. So you need to have an idea of exactly why, why are you going into this? Mm-hmm. Why do you want to have a threesome? And then if your partner says, no, absolutely not, I won't do it, is that then the end of the conversation? You don't bring it up again, even though you might still want to convince them some more. You need to bring it up again at a different stage when they're not feeling threatened, but you need to figure out how to do it so that they don't feel threatened. So maybe talk about what it made them feel when you brought this up and why it upset them so much. Mm-hmm. Because there's no one answer fits all for everybody. You know, that might be triggering something in their history. Maybe they had partners who cheated on them. Maybe they had partners who wanted a threesome as a way to find out, you know, try out other partners and then drop them. Okay. We don't know their history. So you need to find that out. Now, speaking of being bored, because this happens in, in a sexual relationship. Um, it's been six yes. months and there's a go-to position that the two of you start with. And then like you, you have a whole routine that you've got basically down to the T. That you can do with your ass closed. Yes. And now you're bored. How do you tell your partner that you are bored? <laughs> bored is a harsh term yes. to use. Okay. I don't want to ever be told that I'm boring in the bedroom. All right. So and that's w- what you hear yes. when you, your partner says, you're, I'm bored. Yeah. So do some research. Read some erotica. Watch some porn if you want to. Get some ideas. Porn is not a good place to copy as in, and measure yourself against. Because those are professional actors, and mm-hmm. I think you guys met them for Sexpo. Yes, we did. Uh, so, two of them came in. Yes. Yeah, so there's a, you know, porn is not your basic yardstick to measure your sex life in, but mm-hmm. it's a nice place to look for different things to do. And it's a good place to laugh because the way in which you find sex pleasurable is not how it looks on screen. And you need to be able to laugh about the fact that we don't look like that. And when we lean forward, maybe our tummies fall over <laughs> or, you know. Yeah. And so, what what happens if you're more on the kinky side, but your partner is very conservative and really the only thing that they want to do is missionary? I mean, how do you balance out your kinky? Missionary doesn't always hit your right spots. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, how do you navigate the conversation if you're a little f- on the freaky side, you but say, your partner honestly, is... You say, honestly, this isn't working for me. You're yeah. not hitting my G-spot correctly. Can we try another position? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, depending on... Your partner's abilities, whether they have a penis or not, whether using toys or not, the size of those toys, whatever's happening. Um, okay, so we're kinky. There's no toys. But there's going to be certain positions that work better for certain size bodies, certain size appendages. Yeah. Okay, I've got a message here from Anel on WeChat who says, I want to break up with my boyfriend, but I don't want to lose him as a friend. Mm. How do I do it? You need to, what is your, what is the kind of relationship that you've got now? Is it basically a friendship with sex? Is it a friendship without sex? How would you describe your relationship? And what is so important about you not losing this person? Because breaking up is going to cause a, 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 there's going to be a break between you. That's why you break up. Um, I think you need to have a conversation with them about how you don't want to be in a relationship anymore and see where it goes. Yeah. Forcing them to stay friends with you is never a good thing. There's a lot of, bad feelings about oh, now I have to see a Nell again and we're supposed to be friends, but it's so awkward for me. And I thought, you know, 
it often leads to a place where you can't talk to each other. But also, um, it, you know, it's likely that this person is not going to want to have anything to do with you after you break up with them if, if, that's where you, if, if that's how you choose to deal with it. And you just need to be prepared for that. Absolutely. You have to be honest. Yes. Put your stuff on the table. Put all your cards on the table. Don't hide anything. You know, when you're breaking up with someone with this kind of, you obviously really love them, but just not in love with them. And you love their presence. So tell them all these things and say, listen, I'm open to being friends. I would really love it. And I want you to decide what's going to happen. Mm. But that's a, a long conversation to have. And, it, you know, how you guys are as a couple now, I don't know you, so I can't say. But some couples work really well as friends after they've broken up. They're just not good in partnerships. Yeah. Um, I'm talking to Casey Blake from What Now Counseling this afternoon. We're talking about some of the tough questions that people are afraid to ask in relationships. Now, here's a situation that I think happens all the time. Um, let's say a new person of the opposite sex enters your partner's life. For example, your your boyfriend has a new colleague. She is hotter than you. She's sexier than you. She's more beautiful than you are. She's more successful in her career. She is more intelligent than you. Mm-hmm. Basically, she makes you feel threatened. Do you tell your boyfriend that this person is making you feel threatened? I yes. mean, it's it's not your boyfriend's problem that you're feeling threatened, right? The way in which you word it is so important. Okay. So you're allowed to say, I noticed your new colleague or thank you for introducing me. Um, and I know it's my stuff and I'm going to work on it, but I just want you to know that I'm threatened and I don't know why yet. Okay. Or I'm a bit concerned. Where are we? You know, or um, you feel like, I feel like you're spending more time with this new person. Mm. And um, our time isn't as much as it used to be. It all depends on what it's triggering for you. It could be a jealousy. It just could be insecurity. Yeah. So you have to figure out what it is. And that's where individual counseling is fantastic because then you don't have to worry about burdening them with your problems. You go to your own counselor, your own therapist, and you say, I don't know what's wrong with me or I do know what's wrong with me. And you talk it out and you find a solution and maybe role play, like practice the way you're going to say things and see how it feels to say these things. And then take it home to your partner. Because often what happens is you don't talk about these things to your partner, but then every time you keep seeing this other person, you deliberately mean to them, and then eventually it escalates to a point... Passive aggression. Yes. It escalates to a point where you one day call your partner out and you start accusing your partner of doing things, even though that might not necessarily be the case. And they'll say to you, but you've been mean to her the whole time. Yeah. Okay. Now, Casey... um, a bit of a sensitive matter. Yes. <laughs> women women um, like to ask this question of their partners, do I look fat in this? Okay. <laughs> and, you know, people can joke about how men must never, ever, ever tell the truth whenever this question is asked of them. Do I look fat in this? No, baby, you look great. But let's say you have packed on maybe 10 to 15 kilos And, you know, you don't... You don't do it overnight, though. No, you don't do it overnight. But let's say that you have been putting on weight slowly and slowly. And, or rather, your partner has been putting on the weight. Slowly and slowly. You don't want to be insensitive. But you do want to say to them, listen, you're kind of letting things get out of control here. And I'm not sure that this is a sexy look. You know, I'm, I'm, actually, it's starting to bother me. It's a very sensitive topic. It's a very sensitive Because you're dealing with somebody's body. Yes. it's, It's something that we also... Our self-worth, especially in the way society is at the moment, is so deeply entwined with how we look and how we feel in our, well, less how we feel in our bodies and more how we look in our bodies. Okay. So having a conversation about it. So if you're the one putting on weight, have a conversation about how you are feeling and, you know, ask them their honest opinion, but then you've got to expect an honest answer and not get too upset about it. Okay. 
Now, if they're the one putting on the weight and you want to point this out to them, because, you know, I've, I've read that, um, you know, weight gain, and th- this was uh, specifically mentioned in people who are morbidly obese, that that affects a, pe- a person's sexual relationship. So if your partner has suddenly, you know, put on so much weight that you are not finding them attractive anymore, or you're thinking, but, you know, I don't like this. Well, then it's affecting you your sexuality, not theirs. Okay. All right. So there's, there's a huge thing. So weight gain is not necessarily associated with, with sexual issues. It's how your body is functioning. So if you are larger, but your body still functions properly, your blood pressure is perfect, you know, you don't have – there's certain medical d- problems that cause difficulty with sexuality like diabetes and things. But if you don't have any of that and you're just a little tubby – and I hate that word, I'm sorry um, – <laughs> Then your sexuality is not affected. There are lots of larger people, men and women, who have fantastic sex lives. Mm. But if your partner is no longer finding you attractive, it it affects your sexuality indirectly because now you're not getting any. So now if I'm no longer finding my partner attractive, do I bring it up or do I just break up with them and, and, and leave? I mean, I mean, there needs to be a conversation, but it needs to be done very carefully. Yes. And once again, maybe go to counseling to figure out because you, I don't know who this partner is, what their personality is, how they would react to certain things. Some partners are a bit more humorous, but certain things are never funny. So you know that better than your partner does. So having a space where you can explain the entire situation and how it's escalated, because like I said, it's not overnight. It's probably over a couple months, a couple years, and now it's just too much for you to handle. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes over a long relationship, um, things happen. Maybe you do become bored or maybe you go through a bit of a rough patch. Mm. And sometimes you could get distracted by somebody else who you start finding attractive. We have eyes. And that, yes, this, well, okay, carry on. <laughs> we, ha- we have eyes. We have eyes. We're going to look. So people who are in relationships where they make the assumption that my partner never looks anywhere else are going to get upset when they watch a wandering eye. They're going to get you know, things are just going to not, not stay perfect mm-hmm. because we all have eyes and we do see things. So acknowledging the fact that you've noticed somebody attractive is not a threat to the relationship unless it's a threat to the relationship. <laughs> if if that upsets me, if my boyfriend said, oh, look at that girl, she's very beautiful, and I got I get upset about that. It says more about you than it does about him unless he's doing it as a jab to you because he knows it upsets and you. And getting upset is really not rational. Well, but it's it's happening. Okay. Whether it's rational or not, it's happening. And you need to face the fact that you are very upset about this and then figure out why does it hurt so much when you are not the only person he's looking at. Yeah. I mean, my partner and I joke about who, like which latest celebrity we want to have in bed, you know, (laughs) because we know one, it'll never happen. Yes. I mean, these are A-listers who will never possibly meet. And we've got eyes and we are watching this amazing sex scenes on TV sometimes. Yeah. And we just want to be part of their fun. And we comment on the fact that this person is my new favorite. And it's fine because we know, because we've had this conversation a hundred times whenever I get insecure about it, mm-hmm. that we are the ones for each other. And that's cool. And we have eyes and we're going to look at other people. And now when we go out and we see someone we think the other person will look like, we often point the bat and say, what do you think of her? What do you think of him? Yeah. Sometimes it gets into a bit of a gray area where, let's say you are going through a rough patch with your partner. And then there is somebody new. And this is somebody that you know and you talk to on a regular basis. And this is somebody who you start finding attractive. Is it because you're finally, you're finally, in inverted commas, getting the attention that you want from your partner? Mm. The kind of attention, or maybe it's just the novelty of it. And if you're going through a rough patch, 
why wait for something to come and become a problem when it's already a rough patch? Go to a counselor. Yeah. Figure out why this patch is so weird. I've had couples where they come in and the one partner doesn't even know that they're in a rough patch. For this partner, that's just how their relationship has been for them, you know? Speaking of counseling, mm-hmm. having that conversation on its own is often difficult as well because, you know, you'll have the one person saying, I think we should go for counseling, and then the partner says, no, I don't do that. It's a waste of time. I don't believe in it. Then what? What do you do? Then you come to counseling on your own because you obviously believe it's going to work. Okay. You know that this works. I know it works because that's what I do, and I see the results. But you obviously have stuff to work out, and it's not working out with your partner, but you don't want to leave them. So go to counseling on your own and figure out what's good for you. Sometimes you'll stay in the relationship and sometimes you won't. That will, what the end result is inevitable with or without counseling. The time frame in which it happens is just what makes a difference. Melissa on WeChat says, my partner screams at me when he is angry. I've told him I don't allow it, but he still does it. How do I get him to stop? Okay. So anger management. <laughs> this is my, my fun ball game. Okay. Anger management is big, but I've had people phone me to say they've Family thinks they'd need anger management, but they're quite happy being angry. Do they still need to come? <laughs> um, Are they quite happy being angry? <laughs> they feel A lot of people feel that being angry gives them power. Um, when I'm angry and shouting, people pay attention to me, people listen to me, my waiters finally bring me my bill, then bank manager gives me attention. But aren't you miserable all the time? People don't. You notice what you notice. Okay. All right. So they notice their power when angry. They might not notice what happens when they're not angry. Mm-hmm. Or how people relate to them differently when they're angry or not. So if your partner wants to stop screaming, then he can go for anger management counseling or any kind of counseling will incorporate some sort of anger management to figure out why is he screaming, what triggers the screaming, what can he do differently if he wants to. There's a whole bunch of things for shouting and screaming. For her case. Yeah. What she, he, she wants to know what she can do. I mean, so far it sounds like that's something that he, he would need to, to work on. If he wants to. Yeah. What she can do is also, once again, go for counseling. And I know this sounds like I'm punting counseling and I'm punting my business and I'm really not. I really do believe that counseling works. You don't have to go to me. I've only got so many hours in the day to help people. So there's lots of other counselors around and therapists. But having that safe space to talk where you know that for the full hour, you're, you're the only person that we're going to be talking about. You're... There's no interaction, half of Casey, half of Mabali, it's just Mabali. Yeah. There's just your stuff, whatever you want to talk about, without being judged, without being, you know, whatever you worry about when you talk to people, that's off the table because we're not, we we're not there to judge you. So you can come and say, listen, this is my situation. I don't want to leave my partner, but he always screams at me when he's angry. What am, maybe I'm triggering the anger. Maybe he's responding to something that I'm doing. Instead, and this is not to, this isn't, shouldn't be confused with victim blaming where you cause the abuse. Mm-hmm. This is just often in relationships we react to each other and we don't see the plot we play in escalating the other person's behavior and vice versa. They don't see how they're escalating our behavior. This is typical in couples who fa- scream at each other but don't realize that they are also screaming. But now in a situation where he also needs to do the work and you're the only one coming in for the counseling, how, how are you going to move forward if he still needs to work on himself but he's not prepared to? We, look, we, we find different ways to interact with people in counseling. Yeah. And if you find that you are moving forward and he's just not, you have to decide whether or not he's worth staying there for. Tough, tough choice That's to make. That's a very tough choice to make. But just because he doesn't want to go for counseling doesn't mean you shouldn't because it's obviously upsetting you. 
And you need to figure out what exactly is upsetting you, what it's triggering from your childhood, if there is a childhood trigger or a past relationship trigger or an insecurity, and work through that. And maybe they won't upset you as much, and maybe that your relationship pattern will change. It does happen a lot. Okay. I'm talking to Casey Blake from What Now Counseling this afternoon. We're discussing some of the tough questions that you might be afraid to ask in your relationship. Um, what I want to talk about next, but I want to go into a song first, is... There is that moment where you and your partner are starting out in a re- in your new relationship and you might have a list of questions that you want to ask him or her. Oh yes. And some of these questions can be a little bit dodgy, so I want to get into how to deal with that delicate situation right at the start of your relationship. Um coming up next on cliffcentral.com. you say sometimes i want to slap you on your whole face there's no one quite like you you push all my buttons down i know life would suck without you at the same time i want to hug you i want to wrap my hands around your neck you're in but i love you and you make me so mad i ask myself why i'm still here oh where could i go you're the only love Unknown, but I hate you, I really hate you so much I think it must be true love, true love, it must be true
It's pink on cliffcentral.com with true love. And speaking of love, I'm joined by Casey Blake from What Now Counseling. And this afternoon, we're talking about some of the difficult questions that you might be afraid to ask your partner in a relationship. So, Casey, you met somebody and now the two of you are ready to be in this committed relationship. And maybe you have a, th- a few things that you want to ask this person, but you don't know how. For example, have you ever had an STD? Are you allowed to ask somebody that question? <laughs> yes, and yes, you are. But only if you say, I have or I haven't, and these are my latest test results, what are yours? So if you're asking the question, you've also got to be prepared to share your information. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Um, but I have, I have a comment. Yes. There's an assumption that is often made. Um, and what you said just now is that you think you're getting into this committed relationship. How about a conversation about what are we? Is this a committed relationship? Are we exclusive now? Yes, because this this um, this is a bit of a gray area. I mean, there's there's dating, and then there's being together, and then there's being in a relationship. And relationships, you you know, you get committed relationships, and then you get different types of relationships. So there needs to be a conversation about what you are before, like, and these other stuff that the, the STD question is vital. Yes, um, and that should even come up before you're even in a committed relationship if you're <laughs> going to be having sexual relations. Yes, especially if you want to do them without condoms or some sort of barrier technique. Um, so that's important. But it's also important to say, we've been on a couple of dates. We've slept together a couple of times. What are we? Mm. I would like us to be, you know, I'm quite happy with us being one of these few things. Yes. Which one are we? And then find out what they want. And if the two of you are on common ground, then you take it from there. Absolutely. Now, I mean, I've had a few couples who disagree on when they started dating oh. because they never had this conversation. And the one was convinced they started dating, let's say, in August. And the other one thought they'd been dating since January. Mm. That's a long gap in between where you were like thinking you were in something that the other person wasn't. But it's th- another reason it's important to have this conversation with this, this person that you're with is because they might be thinking, yes, I'm with you, Casey. But at the same time, I thought we'd agreed that I could see other people and you might not be down with that. Absolutely. So you need to have this conversation. You also need to have the conversation over whether or not you're good at having one partner at a time. Okay. Yes. And that needs to be honest. Because you don't want to find out later on that, that, you know, they were also having unprotected sex with somebody else mm-hmm. or having sex with somebody else and you were under the impression that they were just with you. So having a little bit of a, a fun conversation, but it's a serious conversation as to, you know, this is my general relationship history. You don't have to sit down and say every person I've slept with or dated since I was 16, but you do have to have a conversation about this is my typical relationship pattern. Um, okay. Um, some people might hold certain things in higher regard than others uh, because of their moral beliefs and, you know, where on the scale they fit on that. And for some people, you know, for guys, it's important for them to know if um, if the girl that they're interested in or want to become more serious with has ever had an abortion. Like, uh, is that is it ever okay to ask that question? Have you had an abortion? No. no. It wasn't your baby. It yeah. was, wasn't a baby either. It was a fetus. Yeah. And if you're, if you're doing it from a moral perspective, you have no right to ask that question. If you're doing it out of pure curiosity and you know a friend who's going through something difficult, and that's honestly the situation, that's something that the person should volunteer. Yeah. It's not something that you should be able to ask. It is none of your business. And if you don't feel like answering the question in the moment, you just say, you know what, it's, it's none of your business. Absolutely. As much as you're in a relationship with somebody... They, they don't have access to everything in your life and vice versa. Not everything in their past is necessary 
for you to know if if it impacts on your relationship yes if it not no you my past abortions your past abortions your past masturbation techniques your past kinks that you're now over or fetishes that you thought you had or did have if it doesn't affect my relationship with you now i don't need to know about it and vice versa have you ever cheated can you ask somebody this question? You can ask somebody that question, but will a cheater t- tell the truth? <laughs> but also, you know, it also goes back to, well, what is cheating for you? Because cheating for me is you looking at her boobs. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, some people so are there just... Needs, and the conversation, the only time that one comes, you know, that has an important thing is, this is how my past partner cheated on me, and I'm really not looking to have a repeat of that. Yes. You know, just so you know, this is the stuff that I will get upset about. Mm-hmm. Do I have to be worried? Yeah. That's an honest conversation Mm -hmm. because you're saying, you're not asking, are you a cheater? You're saying, this is how I perceive cheating. This is what happened to me. This is why I don't like it. I want to get into a relationship where I don't have to worry about this. Should we do this thing? Now, this next question is something that a lot of guys and girls like to ask each other. But in my opinion, they never give the honest answer. How many people have you slept with? (laughs) Why does it matter? Well, there you go. But people still ask this question. They want to know. They do want to know. Um, look, if you're going to give me your little black book, I might give you my little black book. <laughs> but <laughs> You might, but you're not promising but anything. But there's no obligation. Once again, if it doesn't have an impact on our relationship now, why do you need to know? So you're saying if I'm sitting there and it's like I'm having sleepless nights because I want to know how many women he has slept with, then the problem is again. Is it because he's that good a lover or that bad of a lover? <laughs> but 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 what I'm sensing here is again that that could mean that the problem is with me, and this is something that I would need to work on. Yes. Because a lot of the time we ask our partners questions, and we, you know, we kind of put the responsibility on them to to make us happy. But we're not really prepared to look at ourselves and to think, well, what kind of work do I need to do so that this is not an issue for me? If you're waiting for somebody to come along to make you happy, you'll be waiting for a very long time. Mm. The only per- the only person responsible for your happiness is you. Yes, people can do things that can impact your mood and definitely have a real life result you know, in how your life is going on at the moment. But they're not responsible for your happiness. You are. And when- that's why, even if your partner doesn't want to go for counseling... Do you want to be happy this relationship? Do you want to find a way to make this relationship work? Mm. Then you should go for counseling too, even if it's just on your own, because it's finding a way for you to be happy in the situation. Now, a new relationship with your partner will also involve friendships. You'll meet some of his friends and he'll meet Mm -hmm. some of your friends. And then sometimes they won't click. Sometimes they won't click. So if you don't like your boyfriend's friends, do you tell him this? I mean, maybe it's, it becomes a difficult situation where you hate hanging out with his circle of friends. Do you have to be there? Well, I don't know. Not not all the That's time. That's something that needs to be negotiated. Like how, how negative is the response to these friends? Can you handle them once a month, once every two months? Um, how much time are you expected to be around them? Is there an equal amount of time that your partner's with your friends? Yeah. Even if he doesn't always like them or she doesn't always like them? There's There's a lot of... Like this thing about you, my partners are supposed to be in love with my friends. Yes, we're all supposed to be nice to each other and get on and be able to enjoy each other's company. But that's a huge assumption you're making mm-hmm. because you guys are friends for whatever reason. And maybe I just don't like you. Yeah. I don't have to have a reason for not liking you. I just don't like you. So I'll come and I'll, I'll sit with you and we'll, you know, be civil to each other. But we all know that this is just we're doing it for my partner's sake or your partner's sake. And we won't see each other for a while. 
And what happens if my boyfriend has a problem with my guy friends? <laughs> it's not just That's a conversation a- you need to have with him. Yeah. Because why does he have a problem with only your guy friends? Is Does he think that you'll do something? Does he think that they'll do something? Does mm. he think that friends you won't be able to? Friends of the opposite sex. That comes up a lot yes. for me in my counseling um, room. Because a lot of people are under the impression that men can't control themselves. And I think that is extremely limiting to men. Because men... I know so many men who are able to control themselves completely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just, they're all, we're all human beings. And as soon as you have an issue with the other sex because oh, she's going to tempt you or he's going to try and do something, so what? I get to say what does and doesn't happen to my body. And that's something that a lot of partners aren't comfortable with. They just, you know, they're stuck in this, but she will tempt you, but he will try. Another message uh, coming in. My boyfriend and I follow each other on social networks. He never ever likes my pictures, but likes other girls' pictures, including his ex's pictures. <laughs> Should I be worried? And how do I confront him? Have you asked him why he doesn't like your pictures? <laughs> Have you asked him to like your pictures? Oh, I think boy. the first step there is making it like just having a conversation about. I've noticed you don't like my stuff. Is there a reason why? Yeah. And why do you like every other girl's stuff but not mine? Is there a a reason why? That's a valid question. Yeah. It's obviously upsetting you. So have a conversation about it. And that's something we were talking about during the break is we never, we're not taught how to communicate in this life as we grow up. I don't think many families have good communication patterns amongst each other. And with, with Facebook and Twitter and Disney Channel and all those wonderful things, we only ever we we're taught to only talk about the good stuff, to only mm. present the good stuff and ignore the bad stuff. It'll go away, and that's and and th- there's also this thing where people assume that your partner is supposed to know how you're feeling every time, but if you're not communicating how you're feeling, then how are they supposed to know? Feelings aren't smells. We can't smell them. Yeah, we can't taste feelings. We can only hear our feelings when we are talking about them. Mm. So. A lot of what I do, whether it's individual counseling, couples counseling, whatever the case is, is teaching people how to communicate effectively between each other, amongst themselves. Because sometimes the relationship is doomed, but there are children involved. And you need to find a way to talk to each other peacefully, civilly, and in a, in a manner that gets you to a result. Because for the next 18 years, you're still going to be talking to each other because you have a child. So we find ways to talk to each other so that you're not calling each other names, you're not insulting each other, you're not being criticized all the time, you're not always on the defensive. And that does amazing things for the children involved because then they learn communication techniques at work. After a long day of work and something has clearly irritated you or you're bothered or you're just not coping well and your partner asks you, are you okay? And you say, I'm fine. And you're not fine. We also need to stop doing that, saying that you're fine when you're not fine. Because you're not. That's exactly what you're saying. You're yeah. not fine. Yeah. Say, no, I'm not fine. I've had a bad day and I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it is, okay, so rather I don't want to talk about it instead of I'm fine. Absolutely. And that triggers a lot of our insecurities. When someone walks in and says, I'm fine, or I don't want to talk about it, the first thing we think is, what did I do? Mm, what mm. did I do wrong? So you're allowed to say, it's a problem with work and I don't want to talk about it. Because your partner who's sitting there going, what did I do? What, you know, how can I make this better when it's got nothing to do with you? But you, because we don't talk to each other, we don't know it's got nothing to do with you. Yeah. So just saying, it wasn't a good day. Don't want to talk about it. It was work related, you know? 
Now, getting back to um, relationships and then also getting your circle of friends involved. Let's say that you and I, Casey, we've been best friends for 10 years. And then on one random night, I see your boyfriend maybe kissing another girl. Do I tell you? Do you confront him when you see him kissing another girl? Well, well, maybe I confront him. But more importantly, you, who I've had a friendship with for the last 10 years, how do I deal with that situation now? Because this is a, a different relationship. Would you want her to tell you? Would you want me to tell you? I'm her. Would you like me to tell you? Um, I would like you to tell me, but maybe you wouldn't like me to tell you. Then start with a hypothetical. We love hypotheticals. <laughs> okay. Okay. So then what do I do then? Um, that's a tough one. Yeah. So. I don't know, find something on social media where someone commented on it and say, what do you think? How would you feel? <laughs> and that is such a cop-out, but it's a great way to start conversations that are neutral when they're not really neutral. Mm. Because then you're just getting how they would feel. And then based on that, you can say, listen, there's something I need to tell you. Or just leave it. But once again, you don't know what their, what my relationship um, agreement is yeah. with my partner. Yeah. Because... Maybe he is allowed to go out kissing. Maybe he's not allowed to go out kissing. So maybe start with a, how do you guys define your relationship? I was just wondering. Okay. Because, you know, it's it's also a concern around people who think friends should not get involved in friends' uh, relationships with their partners. There's a difference between meddling and seeing something that is really, like it just feels wrong to you. And you feel like you need to tell somebody Maybe tell your therapist first and work it through. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need to tell somebody, because we are human beings and we need to, we, that's what we do. We gossip. You know, we, you got a good piece of information. You need to share it. Even if you only share it with one person and tell them it's a secret, even though you know it's going to spread. Right. Right. To tell someone you, you can tell one and just like work it through with that person. And if it's something like this where you, you know your part, your, okay, so it's, we're friends and you know that my relationship agreement involves exclusivity. Yes. So I'm not allowed to see anybody. He's not allowed to see anybody. Then if you see something and it's really burning at you, you can say, listen, something happened. I need to tell you. And then be prepared for whatever onslaught comes after. Yeah. Because how you process that information is not guaranteed and that Absolutely. could, that could potentially affect the friendship. Um, is it okay to meddle if you, if you're concerned for somebody? Say, for example, in, in the, in the instance of abusive relationships, because, you know, a lot of time people will say, um, you can't tell somebody who is being abused to leave. They need to get to the point where they decide that themselves. But you still care. That's a tough one because it does damage you as the friend. There's like, it's a secondary trauma that you're going through because maybe the friend comes and tells you all the details of the abuse and, they are so stuck in it, but they love this person so much that they don't know where to go. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place. So as the friend, you're getting all these stories of secondary trauma because mm-hmm. you're traumatized by it. You want to go and beat up this partner yourself. Yeah. You want to go and save the day in your white shining horse, and that's not your place because likely, as you, as rightly as you said, not everybody, everybody needs to come to that on their own. No matter what the world tells us, we have to make our own decisions. We have to make our own choices. And someone who is being abused or is in an abusive relationship needs to see the light for themselves and then move forward. So then what do you do in that situation? Do you become the shoulder to cry on for the if person? If you can handle it. Sometimes you can't handle it and then you have to break ties with that person and say, listen, I love you dearly, but I cannot handle hearing these things all the time. Yeah. So when this relationship ends, you know how to contact me, but I cannot, for my own sanity, I cannot hear this anymore. 
which in itself could be a very difficult process to get through because it's a kind of a breaker. Well, yeah, but also you, you, you know, you, you're concerned for this person's safety. So you're probably thinking, I can't leave now. I can't abandon this person now. Who else is she going to talk to? What, what, what does your presence do to help her with her safety? Mm, nothing. So you're there on an emotional level and she probably needs you. Yeah. And I want to just say that some of my male clients are part of the abusive relationship too. They are being abused by their male or female partners. Yeah. So it's, there's, Yes, statistically, more females are part of the of, on the receiving end, but I see a lot of balance in mm-hmm. my sessions, unfortunately, where there's males and females who are needing empowerment and needing to get out on their own. All right, Casey, let's talk about another very difficult and sensitive area: in-laws. Yes. Oh, oh dear. Um, they say that you should never force your husband to choose between him and his mother. <laughs> Where's that gonna get you? Like it's either gonna cut you out of the story or her, and right. obviously there's a, a reason for that relationship. Okay, so what happens if the if the relationship is so volatile and so toxic that you and your mother-in-law actually cannot stand each other because that is going to affect your relationship with your partner? Once again, my answer is go for counseling. <laughs> because it upsets you so much, you can't even be in the room with this person. There's obviously a lot going on inside your mind mm. as soon as you see her, mm. right? So there's something that you need to sort out because you're not going to sit in a room with her for counseling. Mm. And that's not even your goal. No. But how can you react differently to her in her presence so that she doesn't affect you so much? That's what, a lot of what I do is how to... Say you have a boss who's an absolute ass, mm. right? And you need the job, you need the money, but you can't stand the verbal abuse that's being thrown around all the time. How to handle that? I have a lot of clients who come for that mm. because we just figure out ways to block certain things out, manage things differently, react to things differently, and things slowly change. You can't change the person being verbally abusive, but how you feel about the situation will differ. So if you feel that your your husband or your wife should be taking your side in the case where his parents are involved or maybe his siblings are involved, are you allowed to say that to your partner? I feel like you should take my side all the time. Or is that just an unrealistic expectation? That conversation needs to be had so that they know what your expectation is, so that they know when they're disappointing you. Yeah. Because they are also his family. Um, no, the side that you take is not the side, is the side that feels right, not the side that you're supposed to take. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It so does. Just because you are feeling like you're the right one right now doesn't mean that your partner feels that way too. But this conversation should not happen in front of the people you're making him choose between. Mm-hmm. It should be something that happens just between the two of you or with a the therapist present. And you can say, I feel like you never defend me or you never take my side. And these are the reasons why I want you to take my side. And Casey, how often do you deal with the issue or the topic of open marriages in your work in counseling? Is I that, do is a lot of work with the non-monogamous community. Okay. So there's uh, swinging and polyamory. Okay. So I do a lot of work with helping people and couples navigate through polyamory or swinging. So the, my definition of this, and it needs to be clear that this is my definition of it, is ethical non- non-monogamy is when there's more than one person involved in the relationship with the consent and with the informed consent of everybody involved. So everybody knows who everybody is and what's happening and everyone's okay with that. Okay. But now you say that everybody is okay with that. And I always wonder how okay are they with it really? Because 
you well, know, some people are perfectly okay with it and others are not. And yeah. that's where the counseling comes in because I do a lot of work with, with this community where we help, I help them navigate. Some people are just not monogamous and it's not because they want to cheat. They're trying their best not to cheat. That's why they're telling you about these things. Um, and they want to have other partners and they want you to know about it. And then they come to navigate this so you can understand where they're coming from. They can understand where you're coming from. And we try to find a middle ground of understanding. Um, I've seen some relationships that last years successfully and they're, they're poly or they're swingers. So the difference between poly and swingers for my, I want to get, say again, mm. this is my definition is polyamory is more about relationships, love and intimacy, not necessarily sex, but it is common. Whereas swinging is more about the sex, less the relationships and the love. Okay. So your threesome yes. example from earlier would fit into the swinging Into side. the swinging category. Yeah. Because, okay, so then with poly, you then develop relationships with more than one person. Yes. So then it is possible to be in love with more than one person. Absolutely. And the example that's often given is for mothers and fathers who have more than one child, your love doesn't diminish because now you have to share it between two or three. But now I get the, I get the idea that people don't necessarily realize that this, that, that it's not for everyone. It and, is not for everybody. And maybe you discuss it with your partner in the beginning and then halfway through she's having a lot of fun, but then you think, you know what, actually I don't want to do this anymore. Then what do you do? Before you get to the point, cause you, there's, there's feelings earlier. Yes. You know, it's once again, it's like the weight gain doesn't happen overnight. Neither do these feelings. Like they, they slowly accumulate as the experiences go on. And it's important to have the ability to communicate with your partner after every experience that you have. This is not okay with me. Mm. Or I'm feeling insecure about these things. Or I just want you to know that I wasn't that comfortable about this. So a lot of them have safe words where they're in a situation. They're maybe gone to a party where there's lots of people and the possibility of having sex with other people are there or whatever the case is. And they have a password to say to each other, listen, I'm no longer comfortable. We need to leave. Mm -hmm. Or I want you to stop playing. We need to go away from this room right now. And that's just their safe word to say, listen, like we need to talk. So no hard feelings. We just need to talk. And everyone's okay with that because you've spoken about it beforehand. Okay. Now, Casey, on the subject of cheating, because this happens a lot. Yes. One person suspects that their partner is cheating and then they start trying to catch them. <laughs> so they'll go through their phone. Yeah. They'll start monitoring them. Um, Damon was telling us a, a story about, um, a story about somebody that he heard who actually hired some, like some IT specialist to break into this person's laptop yes. and to find information of whether they could possibly be cheating. And I'm wondering if that is the best way of dealing with the situation. If you suspect your partner is cheating, do you start trying to find the proof? Okay, we all know what my answer is going to be. <laughs> but talk to them. Say, I think you are cheating because... Mm. You don't think they're cheating because I woke up on the wrong side of the bed one morning. <laughs> There's things that make you think they are signs of cheating. Yeah, yeah. They may be cheating. They may not be cheating. It's important for you to put your cards on the table. Yeah. I feel like you are cheating on me because you're coming home late. You're not taking my calls. You're always on your phone. You won't let me see your phone. We haven't Whatever been intimate the, in six months. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever the situation is, I want you to must put your stuff on the table. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about vulnerability. And that's a scary part. We want everyone to admit their secrets to us, but we don't want to have any secrets out. And why, you know? and why do most of us, why are we so afraid to have this conversation? And as you say, to put our cards on the table, why would we rather snoop around and go through their phones and try to find 
you know, try to catch them out first? Wh- what? I wish I had a, an answer for that. Yeah. Like that was good. Because the only answer I've got is like two parts. So on the one part, we want to be proved wrong. So we're going to snoop and go through every single picture, every single message, email, Facebook, WhatsApp, everything, mm-hmm. and be proved wrong and then be okay with it. Mm. Or we want to be proved right so that we can have the upper ground of maybe, yes, I snooped your phone, but you were cheating. Yeah, but you were cheating. You know? And and that's that screams of some sort of insecurity that you need to be better than instead of just saying, and also we don't want to be vulnerable because we're scared to lose this person. Yeah. Even though... We think they're cheating. Even though we think all those bad things are happening, we don't want to lose this person. Mm, mm. And that's the biggest thing. Is That's why we're scared to have these conversations, but we don't realize that the distance between you is growing and growing, and you might lose them anyway if you don't talk. So basically the bottom line is communication, communication, communication. Absolutely. Communication, communication about everything until it's so normal that you don't need to work on it anymore. Okay. So, okay, so you've got a couple of workshops coming up towards the end of the year uh, yes. with, with What Now Counseling. First of all, how can people get a hold of you if they do want to start uh, counseling or they just want to ask questions about it? Fantastic. So I have a website, www.whatnowcounseling.co.za. Um, if you go into my Twitter, which is at WhatNowSA, the website details are there. Mm-hmm. There's also a Facebook page, What Now Counseling. Um, there's a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good theme. It's easy to remember. What now counseling? Because life goes a bit wonky and your first thought after the swear words is what now? What now? So that's, that's true. So the workshops, the workshops, they're called tools for having the talk. So I spoke to you and Gareth about them that morning that I was with you guys. Yes. They are workshops for parents and caregivers and teachers and anyone who works with children basically on how to talk about the body, about safety. We take the sex out of sex ed. But it's sex ed for parents, basically. So I teach you what your child needs to know, and I teach you how to have the conversation. I also teach you how to control the information your child is receiving, which sounds impossible, but my techniques, are they help you with that. And how young can I start having this conversation with my child? The November workshops are for parents and caregivers, et cetera, et cetera, of three to six-year-olds. Okay. So it's for nursery school children. So if your child is younger than three, but you think you would benefit, come to the workshops. Details are on the website, on my Facebook, on my Twitter. You can, and my email address is Casey, C-A-S-E-Y, at whatnowcounseling.coza. Casey, thanks for joining me this afternoon to talk about uh, how to deal with some of the tough uh, questions that we deal with in relationships. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll be back. No, actually, I won't be back next week. Aspasia will be with you next week, Thursday, for Between Two Femmes.